Welcome to Ashamed of Thrones, your weekly recap podcast for HBO's uh, direct-to-Netflix Adam Sandler movie of a TV show. A Game of Thrones, my name is Doug, with me as always is Brian. How you doing, Brian? Doing good, coming off a uh, fun Christmas, looking forward to a fun New Year's. Yeah. And an even more fun podcast. And I can't wait for 27 to get 2017 to get here because, oh my god, 2016 has been such a bully. Stop it! I just can't even. You're so mean! <laughs> We've lost so many people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, let's talk about this. We're here to discuss Season 3, Episode 6, The Climb. Um, I feel like this is an uneven episode. I feel like there were parts I really liked, and then other parts are just awful. Um, I agree. I think part of that stems from the fact that they kind of um, hit some real heights in the last two episodes. So now they've got to kind of scale down and then set up the next few things that will happen uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, But yeah, I agree with you. One of the better scenes in the show, period. And then uh, some real duds and uh, really hate all the Ramsey bullshit. Yeah, and and just to know that we're going to see... A lot more of it is frustrating. It's going to be like when we first see the, if we get that far, when we first see Dorn on screen, it's just going to be like, God. Oh, God, yeah. We're going to have to be like, no, it's not just dealing with it at the moment. It's just knowing we're going to have to talk about it for weeks and weeks at a time. Yep, yep. Uh, why do we do this to ourselves? I don't know. It's because of the fan. Thank you, fan. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's our initial impressions, I guess. Let's jump right in. So, uh Right off the bat, we start with a little scene with uh, Sam, Gilly, and the newborn. They're camping out in the snow, um, and Gilly's better at camping than Sam. Um, they just talk for a little while, learn more about each other. Sam does most of the sharing, talks about uh, how nice it is at Castle Black. It's basically, you know, uh, all this lord privilege, um, because Sam is, you know, highborn. Um, talks about uh, his uh, house in wherever it is. But uh, Heartsbane is in... He says the Reach in this ep- scene, but I don't think he's from, he's from something else. It's not the Reach, though. Well, the Reach read... is the great, the bigger region. It's like saying you're from the north, okay. you're Northmen, and you're a, like the... Whatever, the Tall Hearts and the Umbers would be Northmen, just okay. like he would be from the Reach. But I can't remember the name of the place. Who cares? It's uh, Horn Hill. Horn Hill. Look at you with the fast typing, I guess, on the internet. Uh, but Click-clack. Yep. Very good. Uh, but yeah, she's t- he's telling her all about this, and obviously she's, like, you know, blown away by, you know, how ridiculously opulent his life is, um, not having to make fires or not even needing them because they were so far south. Uh, anyway, Gilly uh, talks Sam into singing a lullaby, and he does. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, I don't know how it is to, uh, I don't know, um, it's a pain in the ass to travel with a newborn, like if you're in a car going two hours to visit relatives, I can't imagine uh, carrying through the fucking snow, you know, <laughs> in the Middle Ages or wherever this is supposed to be. Well, I'm sure the waddling child is made of sterner stuff than your uh, spoiled baby. <laughs> Probably, uh, yes. But, God, I, this scene stunk uh, for a couple reasons. First, uh, it's starting off this whole, this this relationship, which goes on forever, and I never gave a shit about, and we've discussed, doesn't really actually have an impact on the show. Um, Sam, is he a bad actor? 
his like faces and the just like his reactions and stuff were so over the top. It seemed like, and this scene in particular, uh, it seemed to be really bad. So I don't know about that. I mean, he could be a bad actor. It could be how the the character is not only written but w- wanting to be portrayed because yeah. he's supposed to be like you know the the lovable you know coward or goofball. Um, so I, I understand that's probably hard to portray as an actor. Um, yeah, it's just some of his facial expressions were so exaggerated. Uh, it just seemed over the top, but that could be the direction he's getting. I don't really know. I, I will just say my problem with this scene, I agree with you, uh, to, a, to a lesser extent. I don't mind the romance. I think the romance comes off better in the books. But um, my problem is it's just not a good way to start an episode. Like, this is just a very yeah. dull way. We started last episode with what? Fucking firefight with uh, swords on fire. Right. That's pretty great. Right. And then we get this where they're just camping out and having a, you know, an awkward conversation, and it kind of leads into it's mirrored with the next scene, which is, well, yeah, and the, well, the other thing is they're Damn being it. stupid about this travel. I, I know you tried to transition there, trying but to there do a segue. Being, I, I know uh, I derailed it. Um, so, but they're they're being stupid too. I don't know why they're stopping and starting fires, and they're singing in the middle of the forest. I mean, they know the things that are lurking out there, and I don't know how they could make themselves more conspicuous if they tried. Well, I mean, but, I think we're to believe that they're not being hunted by the the dead things in the forest. They're being they're leaving Craster's Creep. Yeah, I guess. So at I the very know. least, they're not. I mean, who's going to be coming after Gilly? No one. I mean, that's true. Uh, nobody cares. I mean, Craster would be the only one that really cares about her, and he's dead. Um, and the other Night's Watchmen are probably feasting in some kind of orgy of, uh, you know, eating all his food and rape or whatever. They're gonna, well, I'm sure we're going to see all of it, and we do. But um, we do. I don't think anybody's going to come for, for her. And and Rast, yeah, he threatened Sam, but why? Like, I don't understand. Once again, if Sam's not, like, I don't understand why I hate Sam. I imagine being annoyed with Sam. Because he probably makes your job harder, but to like have vindictiveness enough to like come look for him, and it's Rast. It's not like yeah. Rast is going to get a band of guys together to come with him. <laughs> so I think <laughs> he's they a natural can, born leader. <laughs> yeah, he's a natural born leader. Yeah. I, so I agree. I think that they're fine making a campfire and singing. Uh, they're taking their time getting to the wall, I guess. Plus, they're you yeah, know they're they're, not, they're carrying an anchor in their their arms. Fucking baby. Oh, I thought you were referring to Sam. So uh, we <laughs> next we transition to uh, Mira, and she's skinning a rabbit. Uh, Osha. Then shows her how it's actually done. Osha and Mira argue about who is cooler. Uh, Osha's being a real jerk in the scene. Um, it's not entirely clear why, other than she just doesn't like these uh, these interlopers. Uh, Brad intercedes to say that Osha is being the jerk and let's make peace and now kiss. Uh, meanwhile, Jojen is waking up having a seizure, which upsets Rickon. Rickon has his uh, line of the season other than, here, Shaggy Dog, and then uh, Mira <laughs> – Steps in and uh, blames the seizure on visions, and eventually Jojen awakes and says that uh, he saw Jon Snow on the wrong side of the wall with enemies. Yeah, I don't know why we needed the the shaking to accompany the visions. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's uh, equating. I think there was some degree of epileptic seizures were kind of thought to be tied to mysticism or d- devils or you know that kind of thing. Um, I don't. Does that happen in the books? Um, I, I, I don't recall. I know that in the books, uh, you know, uh, some people, including Preston Jacobs, who is a rampant, uh, speculator of crazy theories, thinks that, um, cause, uh, Robin, uh, the incredible tit sucker, what is it? The idiot tit sucker? 
Yeah. Rob Aaron. Yeah, he yes. has he has these shaking fits. And uh, the only time we hear about shaking fits in the book are by people about to be possessed. Like when Hodor gets possessed by um, Bran later, you know, and wargs into him, he has these weird epileptic fits. And we see that, you know, come, I guess, to pass. I guess that's what's happening with that weird time warp bullshit we saw in season six. But um, yeah. so some people speculate that, you know, the, the shuddering and shaking is somebody trying to warg into you rather than you doing the warging. So it's weird. It doesn't really, I don't think this uh equates to the book at all no I, yeah I don't, I don't think that I, I don't think that's the case here with jojen no, at all no no he's just green seeing or whatever he's not warging yeah and I, I just i wrote that this was just tiresome and it's another situation where you went to the same bag of trips tricks two uh two scenes in a row where you have two characters who are, are from the wrong side of the trash a uh, trash <laughs> yeah because there's yeah, a lot of trash involved yep <laughs> well it's craster craster trash um, <laughs> the and Gilly, kind of the worst kind of trash. Yeah. But no, uh, Sam and Gilly obviously come from two different worlds, and they're bickering about who can build the better fire. And then you have another, uh, you know, uh, comp- camp competition here with uh, Mira and Osha or Osha. It's just, uh, it just seems like lazy storytelling. Yeah, it's. I think it's again, like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, it's kind of checking in, saying hi to the characters. Uh, we just had a bunch of stuff happen, and now. More stuff's going to happen in a few episodes, but I, I don't know that these scenes, these two scenes, didn't really seem to build towards anything. But when you all. think about it from a, a, a bigger perspective, it's introducing or table setting by getting to know these characters by how they bicker about who can do something better. Um, yeah. And that's the, in the simplest term, they repeated that, and that's kind of just tiresome. So it already sure. starts off pretty. This this whole episode, so starting off, there's two scenes that are kind of duds. Um, yes, not agreed. Great, not a great start. Uh, but then we uh, we catch up with Tormund, always a good time. Uh, he's giving John a pep top talk about uh, uh, preparing to climb the wall with the rest of the wildlings, or a small group of them. Uh, Egret expresses her longing to look out over the wall uh, her whole life, uh, which I guess is just dumb uh, to set up the final scene. <laughs> it seems stupid. Like, why would she, she's longing to look at the top of the wall? I don't. They don't have like, mountains in the, in the north. Yeah, exactly. Know, like, yeah. It's just it seems like it's just there to justify this shot that they have at the end of the episode. Egret says um, she wants more of that tongue stabbing, or let me say tongue stabbing that John can do. Um, she also compliments him on being loyal and brave uh, and not being fucking awful like her last boyfriend. And uh, she reveals that because she knows that he is loyal and brave, she knows that he is still loyal to the watch. But she doesn't care about all that as long as John stays loyal to her. And then she threatens John with the old "Don't ever betray me" line, which I tried on the beginning of like a first date. It doesn't really work. Um, Tormund gives John some last uh, minute advice about not looking like a pussy should he fall from the wall to his death. Yeah, and so they said that Tormund had climbed the wall a half a hundred times. Does that seem crazy to you that he's gone over that wall fifty times, the seven hundred foot ice wall? Yes, because Even it if seemed it's like, like a, it seemed like everybody's life was in danger, and I mean obviously the entire climb, the entire way, they lost yeah. like two thirds of their crew. Uh, that just seemed crazy to me. And and it's in the they explain it in the story. Um, God, I hate saying the phrase in the books. I'll come up with something better. But uh, they explain that there's people that do climb the wall but there's these small raiding parties that go over and steal shit and come right back um but yeah you would think 
I would I would build a boat. Uh, I would think like building a boat, never building a boat before, never being on the ocean would still be safer <laughs> than fucking trying to scale a thousand foot uh, ice wall. Yes, yeah. I did like in this scene, Egret making fun of Jon Snow and mocking him in his voice. I thought that was funny. Oh, yeah, doing the baby voice. Yeah. I'm Jon Snow. Uh, but it's weird, though. I don't understand what she thinks is going to happen uh, between them and between the wildlings if she thinks that Jon is still loyal to the Night's Watch. Is, I mean, is she going to be his wife on the other side of the wall? Or how does this jive into what she's thinking or what she could possibly think? Uh, what's going to happen with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the best case scenario is here, but it's probably not, um, you know, it's probably not going to be all, you know, sunshine and flowers. Agreed. Like, a bit, who who the fuck? Hello? Hello? No. Oh, fuck. Nope. <laughs> what happened? Oh, fuck it is. Is this Jermaine? It is Jermaine. What the fuck, man? Just see us online and decided to uh, call in? Yeah. This, this podcast needs some spice. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I guess contribute when you can. Um, we just talked about uh, the third scene in where Tormund's giving John a pep talk and Igrit's uh, threatening to beat John up if she leaves him, or he leaves her. I think it's a little ridiculous. I think like this... It, like it's it seems like a man writing Egret's part, like what a man would say to keep somebody around like this. You you mind now. Yeah, basically you mind. You <laughs> like, We're just straight up mocking. Uh, guns, no. I'm a big dummy. <laughs> I, That's yeah. pretty great. I did like seeing uh this is where we start to see how cool Tormund is, just like Davos, the the build up to uh, how badass Tormund Giants Bane is. It takes a, a few scenes, a few episodes, uh, but I think this is where he starts to merge as uh, Mr. Cool. I started listening to uh, Storms of Th- uh, Swords, uh, and I just forgot how awesome Tormund Giant Bane is in the in the books because he's he tells these ridiculous tall tales. He talks about uh, having sex with a bear and right. uh, climbing into a giant's um, belly. Brian knows about that. Jesus Christ, is this what the episode's going to be now, Jermaine? Just cut it off. <laughs> All right, but uh, but yes, uh, uh, Tormund in, is he's starting to be sympathetic to John, or like he gives a shit about John and is like kind of like broing with him, basically locker room talk, grabbing VJ days, what you know, whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I think John's been kind of broing around a little bit. I don't think that John has given anyone uh, any reason to doubt his intention uh, as far as supporting the Wildlings. Um, other than uh, the rat-faced uh, Oral, uh, the warg. Yep. I think, I think he's the only one that's suspicious of John. But Egret knows better. Yeah, of course. Like, I, know, I know you're a liar. Yeah. But you mind. Yeah, let's ask you, uh, Jermaine, because we just asked this question. What do you think her best-case scenario is with that? She says, she's like, I know you're loyal to the Night's Watch. You're not really a, a wildling, but you're my man now, and you just don't betray me. The fuck is that? Uh, I, I, you know... I think, like she said, there's a war going on. People die, people disappear, people don't give a fuck about, you know, sometimes the the troops and all that. So, so she's probably she's at, just, at the end of the day, they have each other. If they end up running off, they end up dying. Right? She's uh, saying, you know, "Fuck all this. Care. This is yeah, yeah. This is this is bigger than us, and it's not better than us." So she's probably trying to think that she can talk him out of it. But you know, ladies trying to change a man just doesn't work. Stupid ladies. 
I did not say that. That is Jermaine saying yep. those words. Does not re- reflect the rest of the Ashamed of Thrones. Yeah, well, I'm, just reading, I'm just reading your text. Okay, I did send you a text message earlier. but uh, All right, where do we go next, Brian? So next we go to the Doctors Without Borders. Uh, Arya is uh, participating in some archery practice. She's accurate, but she sucks because she has to really pause between her shots. She's very happy that she's able to shoot people in their uh, reproductive organs, in their secondary uh, reproductive organs. And this is the first uh, of two shooting people in the reproductive organ scenes that we get this episode. Correct. And it's also hinting at uh, she's going to become uh, the eventual assassin lady. Uh, so in the middle of the lessons, Melly Mel arrives. Um, Thanos or Thoros realizes. I like Thanos. That, Let's call him Thanos going forward. Yeah, Thanos. Thoros realizes that it's uh, Melly, a uh, red priestess. They discuss Thoros's failings, which Thoros just kind of shrugs off. Uh, Mel enters the cave to see Barrack, and they discuss Barrack's reincarnation. He looks like he's real fucked up. Um, said this, of course, uh, as we've mentioned before, sets up Mel eventually resurrecting Jon Snow. Uh, Thoros is a reluctant priest. He has no power. He's a derelict, but he's able to revive Beric, and it, he did it kind of out of desperation, uh, but it worked, and it keeps working. Uh, Mel asks Beric about the other side, uh, referring to death, and Beric says he's he's been never been to the other side. There's nothing there but darkness, which kind of rattles Mel. I think she kind of assumes there's an afterlight involving the Lord of Light. So we transition to Gendry, and he's agreeing to make uh, arrowheads, at which time Mel's soldiers grab him. Uh, Beric says it's for the good of uh, the god, uh, but they also get some money bags and uh, Thoros says that they need gold to complete their mission when questioned by Arya. Gendry protests and says that he's uh, super important to the cause. Arya attempts to intercede, to which Mel uh, says that she sees darkness in Arya, and uh, basically a prophecy about her closing a lot of eyes or murdering a lot, and that they will meet again. Um, so that's pretty much the scene. Yeah, it was definitely I pulled it down pretty far. Yeah, uh, I, I think that this is the sh- a show invention. There was Total. another dude, books who Edric Storm. Played, yes, exactly. He's kind of uh, now Gendry uh, is kind of the substitute for him. Right. He was another one of Robert's bastards who does the right. whole leeching. Um, uh, let me. I've got a bunch of problems with this, obviously, because it's show invention spackle. Let's call it. And um, boo. Yeah, I agree. Good. Good. good no, I'm booing you. No, I. Okay, stop. Jesus. Okay, so uh, yeah, how does she know who Gendry is? Number one. Number two, how does she yeah. know where to find him? Yeah. Unless it was in her flames, but we could have seen that. I don't know. Uh, and then I forgot that Mel saw Beric resurrected and got to like talk to him and talk to Thoros because we don't get any of that in the book. Uh, so it's even. It seems like it takes a little bit of back about her. Being any what reluctant to even try to resurrect John, she should have been like, "Oh fuck it, yeah, I'll do it. No big deal. Uh, I know yeah, another guy the, who the, tried the, it." And the world's shittiest priest could do it with no problem. Yeah, right. I mean, and I'm, I'm more powerful I'm not, than that priest. Like you would think she'd be. Yeah. I would be trying it that night. I would kill somebody. I'd be like one of the guys <laughs> that's traveling with her. She'd be like, "Well, let me." Tr-. You know, it's like <laughs> if somebody told you, like, you know, oh, you can fly. You just have to believe in it. I think I'd like try to jump in the air really high or something when nobody's looking. I'm just saying, like, why didn't she try to bring somebody back, or why was it so like beyond the the, the realm of possibilities that she could resurrect John? Well, you don't know she hasn't tried at this point. You know, I, from later episodes. 
Right, but it's obviously and, even if she's tried, it's never worked. And this guy tend to do it, and she's yeah. got to be somewhat uh, confident in her own abilities or think she's better than Thoros. Yeah, as a, as a show only rocks. watcher, uh, I thought this. I lo- I love this scene just because going back to watch old shows, you get to see all these characters that you kind of forgot about. Yeah, I forgot that these people even met. Yeah, uh, all together. So I was like, oh shit, this is great. Yeah. Um, and that's I and think, that, that is one nice thing, and we talked about this. Um, you know, having certain po- uh, characters interact that wouldn't normally or don't in the book is kind of interesting. It's like playing with dolls, saying, "Hey, He Man, why don't you talk to uh, Optimus Prime?" What? That's not supposed yeah. to happen. <laughs> but it's kind of cool. What I was thinking about the, a couple of things was, Bar- I believe Barrick's still alive, right? As in season seven or what we're ever going into. Oh, yeah, because there's no Lady Stoneheart. Yeah, because we see him at the end of season six, I think. So Uh he's got to have a a bigger part to play in something because he's been resurrected six times. It's not just, you know, Melisandre can't do it. This guy's been resurrected six times. Thoris, who's supposed to be a derelict priest or whatever, but he's able to do this shit. Um, So uh, those two guys, I just feel, have a bigger part to play still. And I don't, I don't, maybe you guys can tell me, is Melisandre a witch because, was she a witch all the time or because she's with the Lord of Light now? She is. It's uh, presumed that, she, well, they she, say she's a shadow binder from a shy, um, which is over and above some kind of, cra- she's like, that's just being a crazy like witch to begin with. But then she's also a red priestess. So I don't I don't know how, if that answers your question. I don't know if the, the just because you know we, we get the we get the big reveal where she takes off the locket and she's like four hundred years old or whatever. So, um, was she always you know was she always a witch? Was we don't she always know. that we know just nothing. ended up follow, following the religion. Okay. We know literally nothing about her. Uh, Brian, what was that? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, she presumably has been caught up in this stuff for several hundred years, but I don't think we know her backstory at all. And I think that's probably purposeful uh, because it adds a, a aura of uh, mystery if they don't explain her backstory. Yeah. I think it makes her appear more powerful if you don't know who she is or exactly where she came from. Um, but I did like uh, – uh, what's really curious to me is that like the Doctors Without Borders – this makes them seem like such pieces of shit. Yeah, just selling this dude who just signed up with them and was, you know, they seem like garbage now. Yeah, and it's. I think this is show's fault for not showing the good things they've done for people. Yeah, like they could have had know, one Robin Hood scene. They could have had good. one yeah. fucking Robin Hood scene where like uh, Arya's with them and they go hide behind that tree. We're gonna take out these soldiers and they take out the soldiers and like free a prisoner or give some bread to like some hungry villagers or or do something good. Uh, yes, and, and they talked about doing good things and fighting for the people, but we don't see it. And it's once again, it's always with a visual media medium. You see it, uh, don't say it. So, uh, yes, these guys seem like pieces of shit because the last thing we saw them do was rob fucking Sandor Clegane after absolving him of any guilt. After he confessed to to doing the crime, right? <laughs> yeah. it's just I mean, I, they kind of they kind of explain it in. They go through the whole thing, and they both, you know, Thoros and Beric are committed to the Lord of Light and all that. And they said, "You, how did? Why are you here? You're here for a reason." So, if she's there on behalf of the Lord of Light, and she says, "He told me we need this," I could see them not a, being okay with 
following that higher path, I guess. I, but it, but they're just hypocrites because they yeah. you know they need the money. That's that's what it all comes down to. Because if there was no money, they wouldn't have given up Gendry. I think that's the implication. Yeah, and I don't know that they have these guys have a huge role in the show later on down the road, other than providing a vehicle for the Hound to eventually wreck as part of a, a a new crew. Right, but let's let's presume because Barrick's not around in the the story, the the novels at this time, because he has been his whatever consciousness or his magic has been transferred into Catelyn Stark's dead body. Uh, That's right. And his Lady Stoneheart, <laughs> and and what Lady Stoneheart's role in the story right now is just to be uh, like a, a literal like ghost of Christmas past that goes around murdering all the Freys and Lannisters she can find. But I don't think that's what the Hound and Beric are going to do in season seven. So I really don't know. I think I think Jermaine is right. Beric's going to play some role. Uh, it, but you could be right, Brian. It could just be as a vehicle for getting somebody we like, the Hound, involved, and then you know, Barrick will die. Season seven. I, mean, I don't mean. One. I don't mean that he's gonna like turn into one of uh, of. He's gonna turn into ghost or something. But I mean, I don't think when it comes down to it, he's going to be like a main character in terms of the battle oh, of. Absolutely good not. I would. I would yeah. not expect uh, Barrick to ascend any higher than what he is now. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Um. But I. I will. You know. Assuming Melisandre's been around for three or four hundred years at this point, the fact and she was still shocked that Thoros was like able to resurrect. She's like, you she she's probably seen shit, you know, over the centuries and she's like, I can't believe you can do this. How do you do this? I'm but, sure she's tried. Yeah, but this or, is a time and this is I think this has been explained in the show as well, that this is a time of uh re, a resurgence in magical uh, phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so next we go to Ramsey waking up Theon with a horn, and I think wait, this wait, is wait, an wait, old... Wait, 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 yes. uh, uh, There's a scene in between that. So we have a quick, oh. uh, quick, real quick scene of John and Co. starting their climb of the wall. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yes. And it's really hard. Yeah, uh, yeah I, think they say that it's, I think they say that it's 700 feet, yep. and the scale of it, it looks a lot bigger yeah. in this episode than it did in the assault on the, the wall. Right, it's no I mean, This looks like you wouldn't even have been able to see the people on the ground from the top of the wall. No. Yeah. It's it, it's all over the place. There's no uh, continuity expert on this show, uh, you know, making sure all this shit, uh, whatever, is seamless. Well, the assault on the wall was at a different spot, way far away. So you are you full know. of excuses for these people, Jermaine. Yep. <laughs> You're willing to give them a pass on everything. I'm just feeling that way tonight. Okay, you're very forgiving. Uh, but anyway, not much to the scene. Uh, John is feeling a little bit of vertigo. Uh, Egret calls him out for looking up and saying, "Are you staring at my ass?" Uh, and then yeah. a piece of ice falls and nearly knocks John off the wall, and that's about it. Yep. Yeah, and I don't know why this could have been tied with the next scene yeah. of this on the wall. Yeah, I, or I, even I the last like, scene too. Yeah, I, I don't know why. Maybe to to make it seem because I guess I know why. It's because the name of the episode is called the climb, so it had to be a pervasive storyline throughout the whole thing, starting at the beginning of the episode. It's a, it's yeah. it starts at season or scene three, or the third scene in, and then it ends with this uh, storyline too. So I feel like this was their like. You know, bookend story or something, so they had to stretch sure. it out. I guess that's my excuse. Sure. You guys, are, you guys are going to hate this show by episode or season five. What do you mean going you guys to? Are, you're fucking kidding you, you me! Guys, yeah. you're, you're, you, you just episode hate. five. <laughs> so, uh, so next we go to Ramsey waking Theon up with a horn. I assume this is an allusion to uh, the the uh, 
assault of Winterfell, you know, when Theon kept uh, being awoken by the horn player. Yep. Um, yep. So uh, Theon begs for water, so Ramsay pours it out. Ramsay threatens to amputate a body part. Theon begs for uh, mercy while Ramsay taunts him. Uh, Ramsay selects the figure to remove. Then they decide to play a game. Guess where we are. Uh, you lose the game, you lose the finger. Theon thinks that he got it right and that he's actually with the Karstarks. Um, and Ramsay acts like he's uh, accurate, but then says he's a liar. And he's torturing him for no reason whatsoever other than he enjoys it. Uh, it has the line, I think, that was played out pretty heavily. If you think this is going to end well, you haven't been paying attention or something on those lines. Yeah. And then uh, Ramsay cuts off the finger. Uh, I didn't actually look at what he did to the finger. Um, but show big thumb- Look at it. Big thumbs down for me on this scene. Uh, I, I just don't give a shit. I, I, okay, yeah. So lots of things. Number one, uh, remember how you said that Egret made fun of John uh, earlier with like a mocking voice? Ramsey yeah. does the same thing to Theon. And Theon's like, I'll tell you everything. And he's like, well, you already did. You know, yeah. your daddy didn't like you. <laughs> and the Starks <laughs> didn't appreciate you. So that's I did kind of like those lines. I, I did, did kind of like beca- I feel like I liked them because I like... I like the actor who plays Ramsey. I just hate the fact that Ramsey is he just you need a little bit of Ramsey. This is it. And if this would have been like the only time we saw him uh for a long time, I would have been fine with it. But uh you know, we get way too much Ramsey to begin with. More Ramsey, more Shut Ramsey. Up. Uh and then it's we like, get go like, ahead. Uh, we're getting Ramseyed by uh D&D. <laughs> we sure are. And uh yeah, of course the if you think this has a happy ending, that was using all sorts of promos for the season, I think. Yeah, um, and it's pretty, you know, and it's one of those they love these meta comments about the <laughs> lines of dialogue in the show that have a bigger reference to the story that they're trying to tell. Yes, um, and I hate shit like that. I fucking hate this winking to the audience <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, well, what it's this obvious. Uh, so is this a George or R. Martin line, or is that the uh, if uh, you've been paying attention? I don't think so. Um, okay. Because once again, and if it is, it's from another character because oh. we don't get. Really much time with Ramsey and Theon at this point in the books. Uh, it's all told in flashback, and Theon's just a wreck. We just this, Theon disappears. He comes back, and he's reek, um, and he's all fucked up, skinny, missing body parts, all that shit. Um, but yeah, we. The thing is, is his his mo is he flays pieces of body parts until yeah. you beg to cut the the offending piece of body part off, uh, which is really nice. fucked up. <laughs> that's how you do shit i guess so uh but yeah it was it was kind Welcome of welcome to trump's watch. america jesus <laughs> i'm joking but uh, make oh, playing great again okay the uh, we're not gonna, we're gonna get into it uh i never make political statements on the show um but yeah the, the reason this doesn't work for me is a as a just taking a real big step back I, I don't know because you guys are television show watchers, so uh, let me know what you think. But I feel like the audience doesn't know who the fuck this guy is, and it, it's not rewarding. Like we're just as lost as Theon, but it's not pleasant. I don't know. Or uh, yeah, it's a buildup, man. It's suspense. But what's it's the payoff? What's the payoff? Hey, hey you know who forever. this guy is? Some guy you've never heard of. It's it's we have, we have in passing my bastard. We've heard that multiple times, but it's it doesn't. It's not like it's a fun reveal. Or That's what I'm saying. There's reveal. no. There's yeah. they're building up to like a big reveal or a big something, and there's nothing there, which is I, yeah. I feel a big problem. And they spend so much time on it. It's so repetitive. 
and it's like it's over the top as far as the a lot of the violence and uh, not so much yet but it gets worse and worse and worse it just it was so repetitive and so boring and it, uh, i never liked any of this ramsey stuff yeah well maybe and you're uh, right out that there's really no there's nothing that it does uh, nothing interesting at least that wasn't accomplished in the books in a lot more succinct manner um it wasn't disgusting right and uh, i don't know reading or listening to the books again death is always like a threat and like the threat of violence is always there they just don't it's just not it's just not repeated over and over again like this not i don't know wallowed in uh, to this extent, I don't know. It it just this this is not enjoyable, uh, and we got to deal with it for what two more seasons? Yeah, they're fucking episode for two years <laughs> in the show. Yeah. Oh, at least you know when season seven comes back, no more Ramsey. I guess so that's fine. Yeah. Nope. Okay. Let's so, just hope they up the torture. Well, I hope so. I hope. Uh, what is it? Urine Greyjoy. I hope he's really yeah. a piece of shit. Anyway, uh, so we go down to uh, River Run. And there's two representatives from the phrase are they're meeting with Rob and his crew. Uh, and they say, well, they will come back to the fold because I guess they left with all their troops and their ball and they went home. If Rob apologizes, if uh, yep. uh, Walter Frey is granted Harrenhal, and if Ed Muir, Muir, Tully, uh, marries a Frey girl uh, and they have to decide tomorrow before they ride back and... They have to be Frey has to marry the or the Tully guy has to marry the Frey girl within two weeks. Um, obviously, Edmure isn't down, um, and the douchefish attempts to bully him into agreeing. Uh, eventually, <laughs> it's true, and then eventually he relents uh, based on like guilt and shame from everybody in the room: uh, Rob, his sister Catelyn, uh, and his uncle. So I feel bad for Edmure. Like Edmure's supposed to be like this, like they're setting him up. To be like this simpering little fool or whatever, but I I'm totally on his side in almost everything. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down everybody in this scene is a piece of garbage, right? Uh, yeah, I mean Rob fucked everything up by marrying Talisa. Yeah, it's Kat his fault. Fucked everything up that by releasing Jamie, the one piece of leverage that they had. Blackfish is just a fucking douchefish, exactly as you said. And then the free the McPoyles, Black Walder and Lame Lothar, other names. They're pieces of garbage, too. It's just everybody in the scene. Fuck them. And I never thought I'd feel sympathetic towards Edmure until this scene happened. Right. And I, I feel like that's not – it's definitely not how it's portrayed in the books. In the books, he's more like he's, – he is hapless, uh, but not – but people don't ridicule him and make fun of him like this. Yeah. <laughs> or, or bully him to this extent. This is just uh, awful. Still love the phrase hats. They have the best hats in Westeros. Now, let me and- ask you this. Is that? Do you think it's just like because it, it brings to mind like weird religious sects or like pilgrims to me? And I think that's intentional. Yeah, maybe like bumpkins or Amish or something. Yeah, I don't know. something like that. You know, everybody has their was certain actually, looks. I think this was actually a type of hat that people used to have because it would keep the warmth in, but it looked like garbage and didn't really serve any function other than it's like, what's the cheapest way that you can keep your head warm? Yeah. I would feel the like you'd hat. pair this with two things, you know, like you wear a do rag under your helmet when you play football. I feel like this would be something to wear like uh, beneath your cowboy hat. <laughs> Underneath your so, toque. Oh, so do rag. Yeah. <laughs> or your, uh, you know, Viking helmet or something like this would just be like, you don't just wear this. I do like the douchefish. That was that's a good name. Um, uh, it's not my I, name. Uh, that's the fandom. 
uh, referring to. Uh, okay. The just knowing where this goes, I you know you kind of cringe. I was cringing at this scene because I was like, oh shit. Yeah, and it makes you Edgar got, look like even got, more of a brilliant person, being like, oh, let's wait. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh god, don't do this. Don't say yes. Don't go to the twins. Don't 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 go to a wedding. But can't you can't stop it. Can't stop it. You can only hope to contain it. But yeah, you, you know, look, looking back, it's like, how did you guys, you know, you, how did they not see something coming? I don't know. Right, and actually, yeah, looking at it, uh, you know, watching the show again, I was just like, oh, this is bad. I mean, they're setting it yeah. up, like letting you know that things are getting bad. You know, we had the whole thing where you know they lost half their fucking half their army was the Karstark people, which is crazy, but um. You know, obviously Rob's not making good decisions, so I think they're keeping that train rolling, and you, it's obvious now looking back. But at the time, yeah, I did like the, the line. Uh, I've won every battle, yet I'm losing this war. Yeah, well, that's yeah, well, that's your about. fucking stupid fault, you dumbass. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Am he, I right? He has nobody to blame but himself for anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I th- you know, like as you, I think you guys said early on, this, this the Starks have made their own bed. This whole show. Up until you know the current season, whatever. But everything they've done, they've done to themselves. I guess and, you uh, can say that. Like Ned was kind of uh, Ned's only fault was he was too honorable. But mm-hmm. I don't think he actively made a mistake. Like uh, you know, <laughs> robbed it like by Rob, ma- marrying yeah. somebody else, or Catelyn did by releasing Jamie. Um, yeah, he didn't do anything active like that. He didn't take any actions that were that fucked up. Yeah. All right, so next we go to dinner with uh, Ruth, Brienne, and Jamie. Uh, Brienne explains who she is and what she was doing. Uh, Jamie has trouble eating, and Brienne helps him out. Jamie questions why Ruth is entertaining him, and Ruth decides to send Jamie to King's Landing with the message that Ruth was not involved in any maiming. Uh, but then Ruth drops the bomb that Jamie is not, uh, that Brienne will not be accompanying him because she is treasonous. And Jamie has no power to uh, insist. They actually has, start the line, you overplay your, and then kind of pause instead of your hand. He said, I think your power position or something like that. Your position um, of power. Yeah. So not a whole lot to this scene. Um, I, I, so my question, though, coming out of the scene was, I think we're to understand, especially watching in retrospect, that the plan between Roos, the phrase, and Lannisters are already going forward. Am I am I wrong on that or what? No, do you guys it's definitely think? yeah, it's them. It's all three yeah. of them in concert. So if that's the case, then this is kind of a brilliant plan on the part of Roos, in order to keep up appearances to the the Starks while also releasing Jamie at the same time. Um, pretty good, I think. Yeah, and uh, I really like this scene because I liked how uh, Jamie, who's you know uh, inadequate to make to eat his own fucking dinner instantly is adequate for this bargaining in this negotiation and he recognizes it immediately and he even calms brianne like brianne goes to like when grab the knife yeah grab the knife he puts a hand on her and says no because he's like i got this um so like that that shows their symbiotic relationship with brianne helping him cut his meat and then him stopping her so they're they're forming a little couple i love it uh but in addition to liking that just how like this is jamie's element this is what he was trying to do with Locke. Uh, bargain, you know what I mean? He sees it as a negotiation, he goes right into it, and he's good at it. Um, 
I don't know. I just kind of. Well, like, but then again, he's also negotiating. I mean, he maybe isn't because I like I think the plan is already in place. No right, matter what Jamie sure, showed up and did. And then the one thing that he tried to do that was probably outside of the plan, bring Brianna along, he failed on and didn't really argue about. So I don't know that he is great at negotiation. No, but uh, he he knows what he knows what is happening. Okay, at least he's aware. Yeah. Um, yes. And I will say that I think Roos hasn't done anything. There's there's the difference between planning a crime or a treason mm-hmm. and actually going through with it. And I feel like Roos still hasn't jumped off the cliff cliff yet. So I feel like he's still like he he's probably made up his mind, but he still obviously I would imagine has some reservations because if this goes sideways, he's dead. His whole line is dead. His whatever his whole yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so at this point, the Boltons, the Freys, and the Lannisters have already spoke and planned and done all that shit, right? Right. Is that is that what we're assuming? Or that's, yeah. that, that's our that's our understanding. Yeah. 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 Okay. So he's just trying to get Jamie. The part of the bargains get Jamie back to King's Landing and then go with the right. And he even says, "I'm letting you. I'm letting you go uh, at, for restitution because of your maiming. So that way he can save face with Rob if it got back to Rob. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you would think it would because get back I, to Rob. There's really not any reason to because if Roos thinks they're going to win the war, well then fuck Jamie in his hand. Instead, I mean that that's an admit. I mean it's almost an admission that. He's, oh yeah, and and, and yeah. that's never really talked about. Like. It's not like Locke found Jamie and brought him right to Roos and nobody saw. Shitload of people saw who's there, yeah. and I would imagine that word would get back to Rob if he has any kind of intelligence network at all. Um, but I guess it doesn't. Yeah, we'll find out yep. in the next couple episodes as we get closer to the Red Wedding. All right. Okay, then we go to King's Landing for uh, what you've been wanting to see: Tywin and the Queen of Thorns on screen at the same time. Pretty fucking great. Uh, Hell yeah. They're here to discuss the I marriage. I thought you were going to say deviant sex. Deviant sex. Oh, imagine. Can you imagine the anger in the sex between these two if they had it? Uh, I would yeah. have liked... What's that one uh, movie where... Um, I think maybe Jack Nicholson was in it, and it was... You got to see some old lady's boobs. Um, oh, not as good as it gets. Uh, it's... um. You know what I'm yeah, Titanic. No. It's Diane Keaton. It's yes, Diane, Diane Keaton. Keaton. You get to see Diane Keaton topless. I would have loved to have seen the Queen of Thorns like topless in bed after hooking up with uh, Tywin. It would have been pretty great. Uh, anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, they meet to discuss Please. the marriage of Cersei no. and Loras. Uh, what ensues is a, a just delightful back and forth between these two. Uh, the Queen of Thorns thinks Cersei is just too old to bear children, and Tywin thinks Loras is too gay. <laughs> to marry his daughter. Um, the Queen of Thorns brings up that uh, the Twincess rumors, and Tywin says, well, if those are true, then that means that Joff is not a king, and Marjorie cannot be queen. And the Queen of Thorns counters, well, if Cersei's too old to bear children, there's no future for House Tyrell, because our lone heir is Loras Tyrell. Which, I mean, their future's already in danger, uh, based on his um, you know orientation. But uh, she's trying to bring it back, and Tywin gets tired of all this bickering, Eventually, threatens to name Loras to the Kingsguard um, uh, if he does if she doesn't consent to his plan, uh, a role that uh, he cannot refuse, I guess, and one that also requires him to relinquish all his claims to um, his house and titles. The Queen of Thorns says something along the lines like, "It's rare to have a man live up to his reputation," and basically gives him a good fuck you. So I don't know how does this end. Like, does Loras? 
Does, do they agree to the marriage? Because obviously Cersei and Loras never get married. I don't. I'm just having trouble remembering. Yeah, you know, oh, I, I had that same problem. Or does Loras end up on the Kingsguard? Or or when Tywin dies, do we just forget about this whole thing? I think that so, might be it. Yeah, I think that I, might be yeah. it too. I just I just thought of it when I said it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think so. Obviously, it never happens, and Cersei was not gonna. Go forward with it if she wasn't being forced to, and without Tywin, who's going to force her to? And it's clear that uh, the Tyrells aren't going to go through it if they don't have to, right? So, yeah, so you nailed it. Okay. Yeah, anything you know, else? What? Yeah, I got, I got all kinds of good all right, stuff. Any, it. any scene, any scene with these two is like amazing, and the fact that they're together, uh, it just made it. Like when the show's good, this is it. Like this is the show. This is what makes it good. I would and the back and forth. What's that? I would tend to agree, especially especially like just these these not only great characters but great actors playing these characters. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the back and forth they had, where they're just like one up in each other on scandalous rumors, or uh, you know, well, how about this and what about this? It was awesome (laughs) when she was egging him on about. Come on, you know you did some gay stuff. Yeah. Come on, you know yeah. you did. You and all your boys and the stables and the and training. Your cousins, your servants, your cousins. All, he, she was just like kept going. He's like, no. How about this? And he's like, no. You never didn't know. <laughs> so he's, I think I was, he's hiding something. I was just dying laughing. Because, he's giving nothing away, and that's you know. Yeah, I mean, they're, he, they're like she. She's so funny and like brash and he is just so stone face yeah like whether he's happy or angry he still has the same face his tone changes sometimes like when he's like all right this conversation's over you can hear it in his tone but uh, the whole scene was just awesome it was was delightful i mean it was almost as good as the sam and gilly scene back and forth <laughs> no but i know like, i came in too late to talk about it oh no yeah best. i'm sorry but we just talked about how awful that was and and, and uh, brian thinks that sam might be just a bad actor yeah i did like uh i liked how we've seen the queen of thorns kind of roll over everyone so far and yeah, this is the first this, uh, this is the first scene where someone uh, was able to push back on what she wanted and we see Tywin lay down the hammer. Then again, he does kind of have the trump card and that he can destroy the Tyrells. Right. He has, he has more power. That's, that's the only reason he wins. But did, no and, at the end of this, didn't she say, fuck you at the end? Yeah. She's like, I, I think she said, he, he tried uh, to roll she, her and she's just, like, no, she's like, no bitch. Well, I think she, no. he, she no, just she, basically she, saying she's powerless. I think she's like, you know, do what you want. Like, cause like, Either way, they're fine. No, she, she's agreeing to the, what he has proposed in terms of the, the marriages. And by breaking Uh-oh. that pen, she's saying, no, don't write the order making Loras one yeah, of the king's guard. I'm agreeing to what okay. you're proposing. Yeah. But at the same Got time, it. she's basically conceding. She's just saying, you win. Yes. Do what you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but by breaking the pen, that was going to sign yeah, off. Telling her that, telling Tywin that, no, do not make him a king's guard. Because... There's at least okay. a little bit of chance that Cersei will have a child with Loras. There is no chance that Loras will have a child if he's part of the Kingsguard. Correct. Mm-hmm. So she I, has I, to go. I, I rushed through the episode to ruin Brian's day, so I, I had to. Uh, well, we appreciate Brian. Yes, Do you appreciate I, that? Oh yes, yeah, the greatest. <laughs> you All think right, this podcast on. ends well? It doesn't. <laughs> moving on. Where do we go next? So next we go back to the wall, and uh, the gang's still plugging away, and suddenly there's a fracture that wipes 
out uh, half of the party, roughly, maybe a third. I'm not entirely yeah, sure I, how many. I don't people. know about the numbers. There's a shitload. Yeah. Uh, well, there. I think there was only 20 good men going over. Oh, the Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So the remainder tried to anchor up, uh, but John and Egret fall. And uh, as they fall, uh, they're kind of dangling there. They're attached to uh, Tormund and Ratface Warg. Ratface Warg begins to try to cut them loose, but John is able to get an anchor in and save him and Egret uh, from falling. Yeah, I, I Tormund, guess. Tormund is the shit. Yeah, Tormund, once again, Tormund's a good guy, uh, especially, you know, in order to make a guy who's a bad guy look good, you make an even worse guy. And that even worse guy is Orel being a piece yes. of shit. And it's making Tormund look like a million bucks by not being a complete piece of shit and letting John and Egret die. I mean, obviously, it's not a terrible decision. They might drag, you know, it's no point in all four of them dying if that's what's going to happen. But um, the speed at which Orel makes that decision, I think, is the asshole move there. Well, it's not like they were falling at that right. point. They were anchored in. I mean, he could have swung them or given them a chance to try to to uh, to anchor right. in. Or uh, Tormund could have been saying, I can't hold on much longer or something like that. So yeah, it's the appropriate know, amount of time before you cut somebody loose. I think you guys sound like experts. No, 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 but we know I, that well, I am. Like, I will tell we know you. That, we know that Oral doesn't like John and thinks that he's a traitor. And I think that he he wants to bang uh, Egret, but she's not having it because he's a so rat face. He'd weirdo. rather have her dead. Yeah, I think if she can't, if he can't have her, <laughs> no one should. can. Yeah, yeah, that's how it should be. I mean, if that little girl's not mine, she's dead. Yep, it's a philosophy I live by. <laughs> Jesus, I practice every day. Uh, no, but I think I am an expert on this, Jermaine, because I have gone to a rock climbing gym uh, for three months. It was a Groupon <laughs> deal. Uh, yeah, Groupon.com. Some great. Great deals on there. Okay, uh, let's see. Where are we now? Okay, so this is a long scene. Are you guys ready? Go. Okay, so Loris and Sansa are having an awkward date in the garden of King's Landing. Uh, garden in King's Landing. Um, at this point, they're both unaware of Tywin's plans to have them both marry other people, so they still think they're going to marry each other. And we get a lot of fucking heavy-handed Loris is gay and we really, really want you to know about it talk um, because Sansa's really excited to marry a handsome, powerful knight like Loris and Loris is just upset, obsessed with planning a wedding and the pageantry of it and all the clothing and, and the decorations and stuff. Just some real, I think, insulting kind of heavy-handedness about how... Yeah, it's not it's, it's not a pin, it's a brooch, bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's just real. It's like offensive, uh, I think, to yeah. gay people. Anyway... Uh, they finally bond over their common hatred of King's Landing, and they're like, this place is the worst. And she's like, yeah, it is. Uh, so I thought that was nice. Um, meanwhile, Tyrion and Cersei are observing all this from a balcony, uh, and the pair ponder their own fate with the marriages to the two below. Uh, Cersei is concerned... Uh, no, Tywin, or Tyrion, rather, is concerned most about Sansa, showing that he's the nice guy in the situation. Uh, Tyrion also asked straight out if Cersei gave the order to have the Kingsguard guy kill him during the Battle of Blackwater, you know, the guy that slashed his face. Uh, her silence confirms that it was not her, but Joffrey that gave the order. And he asks if his life is still in danger. She says, probably, but not as long as Tywin's around, because I guess Joffrey is afraid of Tywin. So I guess Tywin is keeping Joffrey in charge. It would have been nice to see that. Remember that scene, like, I think two episodes back, where she says, I can't control him. Uh, maybe you can. You try, and he's mm-hmm. like, I will. 
Uh, I'll leave that for the discussion part. Let me finish the summary. Uh, Cersei pines for Jamie. Anyway, um, uh, they both say somebody's got to break the news to Sansa. Tyrion decides to be the good guy again um, and do the honor. So he walks in on Sansa changing. Already a good mood. Uh, and he tries to get Sansa uh, alone because Shay's in the room. And presumably Shay doesn't know that he's about to marry another woman. <laughs> and primarily the woman that she's serving. Uh, so I guess the awkwardness of the whole situation is amplified tenfold. Uh, I really would have liked them to finish the conversation or have the conversation. Instead, he says it's awkward. He says as much. And then the scene ends. Yeah, a lot going on here. Uh, so uh, the, Tyrion poses the question, who out of the four of us do you think is getting it the worst? Who do you think, Doug, is getting it the worst out of all these people? Well, I would say um, I would say Cersei if I didn't hate her as much if it wasn't her because I feel like she's already been part of an arranged marriage and you pointed out that she probably was all about Robert for a second before she met him uh, mm-hmm. but she has to endure a, a horrible marriage for I don't know 15 so odd years whatever it's been so to make her go into another loveless marriage seems cruel beyond count but also I mean Sansa you know the Lannisters have fucked, <laughs> fucked her over yeah, night and day. I mean, killed her dad. Uh, you know, all sorts of just, just bad shit. And now to have to marry one—that's pretty awful too. So I don't know. It's it's definitely one of the women though, especially a deformed one. Um, and you know, we're more enlightened, but uh, you know, I, back then the, Tyrion has been repeatedly referred to as a freak or a little monkey man or whatever. So I think the well, perception plus somebody as shallow as it Sansa, and she's portrayed to be a sal- shallow individual who cares about looks yes. and you know knighthood and all that bullshit. And she just had a couple of instances where she had her hopes up, um, you know, that she was going to marry Loras. I think she, even though, and this actually was another question um, that I had. Do you think that Sansa knows that Loras is gay? No, not at all. Okay. Not even. And why do you say bit. that? Uh, because she's a naive child. Like she's shown no um, no recognition that he's gay. And even in this scene at the end where she's talking to Shay, and um, you know, uh, I think Sansa says something about how nice the clothing was and how Loras really appreciates the the color sequence of the gown. And and then Shay's like, "Yeah, I bet he does." Because Shay's in on it. Shay knows what's going on, but Sansa, it just made clear that Sansa doesn't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brian, why don't you ask me my opinion? I, that you're next. Go ahead, please. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no, it's definitely Sansa. She's getting the worst deal out of all of this. Yeah, I think um, I agree with Jermaine. Yeah, I, yes. I think that was the obvious choice, so I just wanted to maybe bring a counter-argument there with uh, Cersei. Plus, Cersei's a terrible person, so uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and switch it over to Sansa then. So we're we're Cersei, here's my question before Rob Baratheon was there were Cersei and uh, Jamie doing it and in love then because yep. at that point but yeah so then who cares she wasn't in a loveless marriage she didn't even want to be in that marriage so who cares if she's in a second one no she she's did she's still she gonna bang her brother the whole time no 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 so her brother was her first love and but she did have eyes for Robert Baratheon and then on their wedding night he was all drunk and said Lyanna Stark. And then she never forgave him after that. Uh, yeah, and right. the book makes it clear that Jamie's more into Cersei than Cersei is into Jamie. Isn't that always the way? Yeah. 
Trifling. Seems like everybody I know who loves their sister. Sister, yeah. Sister's like, maybe we don't have sex with yeah. just my brother. Maybe we should just be siblings. <laughs> uh, siblings with benefits. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus. The uh, best I, sibling to have. I did like learning that it was Joff that put the hit on um, yeah. Tyrion. Yeah. It was, that, was that clear in the books as well? Uh, I don't know. I think it was. I think there's so many things in the books that's that are alluded to but never confirmed. Uh, this gotcha. could be one of them. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, that was a good scene. That was a good scene when he was just like he just laid it out. He's like, "All right, who tried to kill me? You or him?" Yeah. Because there's only people. because there's so much dancing around and like you know talking <clears throat> in metaphors. Uh, you know, you rarely get this direct talk. Um, so and it I was think refreshing. yeah, I think Varys like hinted that it was Cersei in prior scenes. Yeah. So I mean, it could be even here that that Cersei is lying yeah. about that aspect of it. Wouldn't um, put a pastor because she's a lady. That's what they do. Jesus. But I, I think that Cersei also probably realized that uh, Tyrion was doing good uh, in terms of helping to rule King's Landing and maybe even keeping Joff in check to a certain extent. Uh, but Joff is such a fucking vain idiot that he would try to kill the one person who was actually helping him run this government <laughs> to a certain extent. Yeah, I feel That's like... That, one uh, of the best parts of this whole scene was just him calling Joffrey stupid yeah. and an idiot the whole time, and it was amazing. Right, and, and Cersei, I think, is too proud to, like, I think she would... Because if it was her and he's, like, calling Joffrey stupid, but if she actually did it, then he's basically calling her stupid, I think she would have gotten pissed off. So yeah. I think she would have defended her own pride. Um, so I think... She isn't. She's dumb, but maybe she's not that dumb to have the, that such a shitty assassination attempt to happen. So I, I don't know. And it's and it's. I guess it mirrors the assassination attempt that was done to uh, Bran with that guy who got his face ripped off by Summer. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just shitty planning. Um, that Joffrey was just not. There good was at one like a uh, one tender moment when Loras and Sansa were talking in the garden and he was like it's bad here isn't it and she's like yeah it's really bad yeah i said that. like you know after they were doing all the pa- pageantry and talking about this and that i think that was like an honest moment where he's like yeah it yeah, really it sucks would, here doesn't it yep and then that's why it's going to be a tragedy that it doesn't happen um, yes loris yes <laughs> all right uh so so next we go to a little figure he's sitting in the throne room staring at the iron throne uh, varies attempts to drop some knowledge about the number of blades. Thinks it's over a thousand, I think. But um, Littlefinger says it's no, no more than two hundred. He's counted multiple times. Varys prods Littlefinger uh, about, uh, or actually compares uh, the Iron Throne to uh, Lysa Aaron. Uh, Littlefinger brings up Varys' attempt to thwart him. Uh, Littlefinger says that he thwarted uh, Varys. Attempts to thwart Sansa's plan. It's very complicated here. Right. And I forgot to write down the diagram. Uh, Littlefinger then brings up Roz and says, and now we know that she's fucked. Littlefinger said that he has a friend who wanted to try something bold and new. Uh, Varys says that he did what he did for the good of the realm. Littlefinger says the realm is a lie, to which Varys kind of acknowledges that the realm is a lie, but without it, the realm is chaos. And that's when Littlefinger gives his long ass uh, chaos is a ladder speech. And in the middle of that speech, we see um, Joffrey has given uh, Roz the old Ted Nugent. And uh, then Sansa is upset at Tyrion's <laughs> news uh, and sees the, the Littlefinger ship leaving town. And uh, famous speech. Uh, if you watched the episode, I'm sure that you saw it. Uh, I'm not going to repeat what the speech said. Okay, line of the episode. Uh, Varys comes in, says, 
because uh, Peter's looking, Pitar's looking at the uh, the Iron Throne. Barry says, hmm, ugly old thing, Peter says. Yet it does have a certain appeal, Barry says. Ah, the Lysa Aaron of chairs. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I did not do a good job of translating that. Oh, that was great. I felt like that was, that's some good showrunner writing, so... Uh, D&D, good job on that if you wrote that. That's that's terrific. Uh, but yes, Roz getting shot. Um, I don't... Uh, so, like, the Joffrey thing, uh, I feel like violence is one thing, and wanting to hurt... Remember how he, like, had Roz violate the other girl? I, yeah. But I feel like it would be even worse if it was more sexualized, like, violence. And... Uh, yeah. No, you know what I mean? Like, He's just, he likes to kill and hurt things, I guess. But it would have been even more disgusting if it was like a weird uh, sexual proclivity. And maybe it is. But we, we, <laughs> I'm not saying, I don't know what I want to, I'm not saying, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what it would have been better. If Joffrey would have been shooting time, her with an arrow and jacking off vigorously. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> or like having sex with one of the wounds. I don't know. I just think that this isn't that scary. It's Joffrey likes to kill people. Okay. It was kind of shocking in the moment. I remember when watching it. And I remember being upset that uh, Roz died because I thought I she was being fun. relieved. Oh, no, God. That's really sad. Jeez. Yeah, Roz was awesome. Fuck both Go of you. Fuck yourself, you purist. Um, yeah, I thought that was shocking. I didn't like it. Um, and this is also part of this, this thing in this third season where everything's a lot darker, uh, it seemed like. Um, uh, I, I, this is Jeff's <laughs> first kill, right? What? Yes. Yes, this is Joffrey's yeah, first I guess. Kill we know. I think he's he's ordered people killed and he's done terrible shit, but this is his first time doing killing. it by his own hand. Yeah. But it's also kind of a lame way to do it. It's just tie her up and shoot her. I yeah. Mean, it's I mean, yeah, I mean I think he's got some class. Right? About I do that every day, so <laughs> might as well, you know. You got to step that up. Mhm. Uh, let me see what else I want to say. Oh yeah, so like the the Sansa thing, I feel like, didn't come through that well because the reason why she's crying watching Littlefinger go away is because Littlefinger offered to take her home and she refused Littlefinger thinking that the whole thing with the Tyrells would work out. So okay, now, so that's what that was. Yeah, so right? yeah, right. So, it didn't did that that not that didn't come through, right? As a show watcher. So so rushing rushing through the episode to get onto this podcast to ruin Brian's day. It, it didn't. I, I didn't put. I thought that was. I thought that was a Tyrell's leaving. After uh, Lady Olina like tore right. up the pen, she's like, "Fuck it, I'm out." So that's where my mind went at that second. Right. I guess you were that, supposed that to know that little fingers. It had the mockingbird on the sail, but I feel like that's yeah. not in your face enough for the average show watcher. Uh, but I didn't e- watch the previous episode, so yeah, I didn't realize that was her escape route. That. Um, but it's not. It, it's offered. not. But it's not really made that clear. You would think she's crying because she has to marry Tyrion. Maybe right. I, I think it's a combination of all the things. Could you know, be. It, it, it's just not yeah. really told. It's not really explained. No. Or made I, mean, I, think the, I guess, yeah. I guess the, all the implication, all the implications you're supposed to put together at that point that she thought she was going to be with Loras, she was going to be, you know, fine and. Uh, a queen in High Garden or whatever, and then Tyrion laid the bomb that no, you're marrying me, and then Littlefinger ship sailing away, and she's 
Yeah, but you no, it's definitely Doug is right. There's absolutely no the 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 ship sailing away is seems completely remote to what actually befell her this episode and what most watchers would actually think that she's upset about. Yeah, and it was oh, part of this montage right? during the climb thing. Uh, like, right, it didn't. Add, I had no idea. It didn't add the punch that I think that they intended to. Right, the Roz thing fit in with the climb. Uh, Chaos's ladder speech, but I feel like it didn't. Like they they cut the Sansa saying some people are given the ladder, but they refuse to climb. You know, I guess that ties into Sansa, but trying to piggyback uh, this whole thing about her being disrupted that or. Like she could have just been crying in her fucking room, and Tyrion, yeah. and Tyrion could have been leaving the room. That would have been enough. But to add this like plot point that Littlefinger is leaving and she's upset because she can't get home now because the Tyrell thing's fucked and Littlefinger's not there to take her away either. Oh, is he on his way to the Vale? Yep. Is that where he's going? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we know he doesn't go there. He he just he's hanging out and he he'll go to the Vale later. At, but with Sansa, we know this, but she doesn't. Yes. You know, when you're a part-time participant on this podcast, which you really should be a full-time participant, you know, you forget stuff that happened before the actual episode. Well, it's, so. it, we only take the best for uh, yeah. podcast hosts here. So, sorry. Clearly. Clearly. All right. Anyway, let's wrap this up. It's gone on way too long. So, uh, Egret, Tormund, Oral, Redenbacher, and John all make it to the top of the wall. And uh, the weather clears up, meaning that they probably should have waited a good uh, 20 minutes before they started their fucking climb. Um Anyway, they get this pretty view of the north, and they like you know, like get to see that, and that's kind of cool. Uh, in the distance, which I didn't notice until this second time, there was like one or two other wildlings uh, cresting the wall as well. So it means that there's a couple other ones that made it. Um, but John and uh, Egret go to the other side of the wall, and they get another pretty view, this time of the south. And for some reason, it's very noticeably greener in the south than it is in the north, even though it's only separated by, I don't know, couple yards of um, ice. Um, and I guess the scenery got them all hot and bothered because they start snogging right away, as the British say. And then they zoom out, and it's a big deal. And there's rising music. Um, this, this I feel, felt a little flat to me. What are you guys' impressions of this? Because I feel like it was like a, supposed to be moving in some way, and I, I just didn't feel anything. Because you're dead inside. <laughs> That's true. But did you feel anything? And if so, what did you feel? I did not. I, I thought it was a, a kind of an anticlimax, but also because we'd already we knew they got on top of the wall. We I think we've seen the shot before, and uh, knowing n- more about what we know about the show and watching in the future, it also I was just concerned about the scale issues and like how it was fucked up compared to the uh, to other scenes later involving the wall. It was also just the, like the um, the fact that it was a blizzard the entire climb up, and as soon as I get to the top, it's a clear, picture perfect day. Yeah, it's just it's like all these bullshit. like stupid little details kind of annoyed me about about the scene. Right, and, and you know, it just it takes you out of the moment, and you're just you're not paying attention to the story. You're aware that it's a you're watching a TV show. Yes, and again, we're I know we're being hypercritical, but eh, it's kind of hypercritical. Gee, yeah, I'll call the it worst super critical. Okay. What about you, Germain? Uh, did, did was did um is Peter's uh monologue still going on during the scene or no? Did it, stop it ended like right before the scene. Okay. Yeah. So 
I mean, it's, you know, they got to the wall. I, I, I didn't see those other people uh, climb up. So that was a good call out. And, and then yeah, I didn't notice it the first watch through. I just saw like, what the fuck's going on back there? Okay. I, I thought, you know, I was waiting for, I thought John, John, like, uh, started smacking around Orel or they got into a fight or something, but maybe that's the next episode. I think that happens next episode, but yeah, that'd be the first thing I would do would be like, okay, I'm yeah, safe. I can't, I, I couldn't remember if it was him or regret just like, we're like, uh, you know, went to fight him or whatever, but hey, it's a TV show. That's how it ends. She wanted to see that one time before she died or whatever. She saw <laughs> and we learned about that sunset 20 minutes ago, whatever it was in the episode. Yeah. Yep. So. It, yeah, it's. It, I didn't mind um, it. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. It's a. It's a. They. They have to end an episode. It's a good way to end an episode. Oh man, this guy is There's such an apologist. Stuff. Yeah, I was Sam Shoe on this one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really wished it was another Samwell and Gilly yeah, scene. Is, to end. is Jermaine so allowed on that's the, the internet? Only thing that could made it better, but. <laughs> all right. All yeah, right. it could have been better. All right. All right. So uh, let's wrap this up. I'm gonna go ahead. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I really don't know how to rate this one because, like I said, just some awful scenes, uh, but then some great moments. Uh, so I think it's gonna pull it up to a three for me. Maybe, yeah, because it, Jermaine was right. When Game of Thrones hits on all cylinders, it's like what we got between uh, the Queen of Thorns and Tywin, and I feel it pulls everything else up. So I'm gonna give it a three point I'm gonna give it an. Outback buffalo chicken sandwich. I've never had one. Yeah, just they don't exist. Buffalo chicken sandwiches are usually pretty good, but I think Outback has the most mediocre one of mm-hmm. of them. So, so what would you call this? A two point oh, two point five? If I had to kind of convert, two point five, I think. Okay. Yeah, you know what? You know what? A buffalo chicken sandwich is usually a safe bet, no matter where you go. You're right. Yeah, but it's but not that, great. Uh, no, there's very few that are. Great. Have you ever had a great buffalo chicken sandwich? No, and I've spent my entire life on this quest, yeah. and it still hasn't paid <laughs> off yet. <laughs> Jermaine, what do you? What? How do you feel about this episode? If you were to rate it, use whatever rating system you want. Uh, so, because I'm sporadically watching these, since my genius is only appreciated every so often in isolation, I fucking, sure. I fucking love this episode. There wow. were so many things that I, there were so many things I had forgotten. There's so many interactions that, like, uh, I was like, oh, man, they actually met, like, when uh, Melisandre and Beric and Thoros were there. Um, Tywin and the Queen of Thorns, <laughs> Jamie, Brienne, and Lord Bolton. The watching, watching. Who the um, fuck is coughing? <laughs> there's, I, I'm in a crazy place. I'm just kidding. Watching the phrase and... Uh, uh, you know the Starks and the Tullys. Like it, it's just there's so many things I, it, it, you know, pulls things together. But at the end of this episode, I was like, man, Tormund, you know, being Tormund, I loved it. I thought it was a four for me. Okay, on a ten point scale of yeah. half units yep. that equals a five. Yep. I think that I think that's a product of not having watched it because I, if you, I agree with, uh, but I yeah. agree with you, Brian. But uh, at the same time, I think this is a lesson that you and I can learn. Is in isolation yes. going back? Uh, we wa- we're watching this show as an obligation every week. Uh, going back and watching the show out of nowhere, it probably would par- spark something in me. Like if I was like, if I still lived with I don't know with a roommate, if I was a real piece of shit and I didn't have anything going <laughs> from, and I had to listen with a roommate, and I walked into the room and the roommate was watching this episode, and I sat down and watched it, I go fuck, that was pretty good. I kind of want to watch another one. So I, yeah, man, I like, do see going through. 
Yeah, I do Sorry, see your point, Jeremy. Go ahead. I'm done. No, like, uh, you know, going through season five and six when they were just like, you know, you're watching every week and you have a shitty episode and you're pissed off and you're like, oh, this sucks. But when you go back and watch like th- like this was a really good episode it, in isolation, just watching it one off. Everything about it was good. I loved it. There yeah. were so many good parts, so many good characters. And I think it's the, the, the nostalgic episode, uh, factor as well, because you see in these guys that you haven't seen in a while. And you're like, oh, they used to they saw each other. They hung out. They were really cool. And you're putting these things like when I say. Beric Dondarrion's been resurrected six times. At the time, it wasn't a big deal. But come season six, Melisandre's never seen it, never had it, never done it, never tried it. But she was terrified, and she brought John back. And then you have this guy that's been brought back six times. Like that, there's weight to that. I, I felt like that's what I was experiencing when I was watching. Yeah, and we get that too. What doing these were were we always try to? We're not going to give it the perspective like we've never seen the show before. We're reacting to it like, no, we we know what's happening in the here and now with uh, season six and waiting on season seven. And we look back upon these uh, interactions, these characters through that lens. And it's it's kind of fascinating. Sometimes like it adds up. Sometimes like they're laying points like uh, Melisandre says, I, we will meet again with Arya. And I didn't t- discuss this when we were talking about the chapter or the scene, but I should have. I mean, are we to led to believe that they'll run into each other? I mean... Melisandre's heading south from Winterfell right now because she got booted for um, her role in murdering a little girl. Yeah. Some people, you know, just don't understand. Weak. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess Arya's back in Westeros at the Twins right now. Is she going to run into Melisandre on the way to Winterfell? Who knows? We don't know. But uh, they are probably no. going to run into each other and that seed was planted now. Yeah, and that part she says, "I see brown eyes and blue eyes and green eyes, or whatever in your eyes, and then I see you snuff them out or kill them or whatever." Right. And I don't know who those eyes are and if she's done it already. No, I uh, think that's she's, referring to her face changing. Yeah, or I think that's also referring to her being an assassin. Well, you no, think that's but, what it means. Yeah, but she takes other people's faces. People. So she she pretended to be like a serving girl. Yeah, but I thought it meant that the eye, you know, like Ilan Payne and Cersei and all this uh, well, stuff. Yeah, I thought it was talking about their eyes. Could be, and that's who she's going to kill. Regardless, uh, yeah. So uh, th- thanks for Jermaine for giving us a unique perspective, uh, and I'm being authentic here. Um, I, you know, me and Brian do this week in week out, and we haven't had any guests in a while, have we, Brian? No. Uh, I think it might be a good idea when the red wedding happens. We get uh, a couple people on here. Um, you know, have a little oh. like powwow. Uh, Jermaine did save my ass back when uh, somebody didn't show up. I can't remember who that was for the episode, but he helped me did out. it. Big ups, yo! Big ups. <laughs> he saved that episode. He was he was uh, barred from this <clears throat> podcast and the rest of the internet for a while there, but he got back into my good graces uh, by helping me out. My one fucked hard listener, come on, please. <laughs> that one Don't fucked you- hard listener is our only fan. They valued his opinion so much more than yours. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Yes, let us know he, how uh, this podcast ends well. Guys, let us know how uh, how we did tonight, and let us know what you think of Jermaine over at uh, AshamedOfThrones.com. Uh, once again, we are uh, you're probably listening to this on iTunes, but we're on Stitcher now. So if you know anybody with an Android device, tell them to do that. Um, anyway, for Brian, this is Doug. We got to get out of here. We shall see you next Tuesday. 
Um, and take care. Come on, guys. Bye. Bye. Jeremy. Long live Ramsey Bolton. Oh, I'll come cut that. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>